the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The European Union calls for a ban on Russian oil. We will make sure that we phase out Russian oil in an orderly fashion. How will the leaked draft opinion impact the Supreme Court? If they then turn around and change the vote or change the opinion, um, then, it, then it looks like it worked. The Federal Reserve announces another rate hike. No surprise. Yes, it's a headline, but it's not really news. The news was that they're probably going to stop sooner. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, May 5th. I'm Mike Scott. Keeping an eye on Ukraine, Russian forces are stepping up airstrikes on key Ukrainian supply lines, delivering billions of pounds worth of Western arms into the country, including on railway lines and warehousing areas saying any weapons, including NATO equipment, arriving and moving into Ukraine were targets. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby says that while it does appear Russia is attacking resupply lines, they really won't impede the transfer of weapons. They are attempting to hit what we assess to be critical infrastructure targets uh, out towards the west, um, uh, uh, electrical power, power, uh, transportation hubs, that kind of thing. Uh, we think this is an effort to try to disrupt uh, the Ukrainians' ability to uh, replenish uh, and reinforce themselves. Um, we are, you know, particularly these most recent strikes, we're still assessing the degree to which they hit what they were targeted. I, I would just offer, um, without, uh, without trying to correlate to specifically to these most recent strikes, I, I would just remind uh, that um, that their ability to target with precision um, has been uh, less than uh, um, than advertised uh, throughout this entire war. Um, they are not good at precision strikes. As Russian forces attack supply lines, Ukrainian forces have retaken another village in the northern Kharkiv region as a major counteroffensive continues against Russian forces. Meantime, the EU's chief executive is calling on the 27-nation bloc to ban oil imports from Russia in a sixth package of sanctions over the war in Ukraine. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen says new sanctions will also target individuals in Russia responsible for atrocities in Ukraine. We are listing high-ranking military officers and individuals who committed war crimes in Bucha, and those who are responsible for the inhuman siege of the city of Mariupol. This sends another important signal to all perpetrators of the Kremlin. We know who you are. We will hold you accountable. You're not getting away with this. Von der Leyen saying the bloc will stop the use of Russian oil in a controlled manner to avoid disrupting economies of member nations. 
We will make sure that we phase out Russian oil in an orderly fashion. So in a way that allows us and our partners to secure alternative supply routes and at the same time be very careful that we minimize the impact on the global market. Meantime, two senior ministers in Chancellor Olaf Scholz's government says Germany will back an immediate EU ban on Russian oil imports and that Europe's biggest economy can weather shortages and price hikes. Is NATO expanding? Sweden announced that it has received assurances from the U.S. that it would receive support during the period that a potential application to join NATO is processed by the 30 nations in the alliance. Elizabeth Braw's senior fellow at American Enterprise Institute discussed the probability of both Sweden and Finland entering NATO. In a really radical development, we are seeing both countries uh, re-examine uh, that position and uh, seemingly, seemingly coming to the conclusion that now would be a good time, now would be a good idea and a good time to join NATO. Braw explains how Finland has been leading the two countries in their consideration to apply for NATO membership. And so what's happening is that now Finland, which always looked like the, the country of the two, the, 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 the one that was less likely to be interested and serious about applying for NATO membership, now it is essentially pulling Sweden along uh, on this mm. path because it has uh, uh, signaled quite clearly that it, it wants to apply and Sweden is saying, well, if you apply, then we better apply too because we can't be by ourselves outside NATO. When asked if Russia would view Sweden and Finland applying to join NATO as a threat, Bra had this to say. Moscow was always going to be... Uh feel provoked and it would uh, was always going to react if the two applied for NATO membership. And that's why over the years we have seen various Russian officials uh, all the way up to Vladimir Putin uh, say that, oh, if you apply for NATO membership, there will be consequences. Mm. But now, and this is why, what makes this un- moment so unique, now Russia is, uh, as everybody can see, bogged down in Ukraine. It's not in a position to, to conduct any sort of major military aggression against uh, Sweden or Finland. So now is is a essentially a good moment for them to join because Russia is is uh, tied up elsewhere. Moscow has warned it could deploy nuclear weapons and hypersonic missiles in the European enclave of Kaliningrad if Sweden and Finland become NATO members. New Mexico's governor has asked President Biden to declare a disaster as firefighters scramble to clear brush build fire lines, and spray down water to keep the largest blaze burning in the U.S. from destroying more homes in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. This Las Vegas, New Mexico resident, Martina Gonzalez, says she's leaving with the smoke from the wildfire impacting her young grandson's health. My grandson's actually been a little bit um, scared, nervous. Um, He's cried a couple of times. He's scared of the fire. Um... The smoke, the smoke was really bad yesterday, and he actually got a productive cough from it. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham signed a presidential disaster declaration that will be sent to the White House in hopes of freeing up financial assistance for recovery efforts. The leaked U.S. Supreme Court draft opinion that would throw out the court's Roe v. Wade ruling has sent people into the streets around the nation. 1,000 gathered in front of the Supreme Court in Washington Tuesday. 
smaller protests Wednesday in Austin, Texas, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and elsewhere. Meantime, the Supreme Court braces for the full force of public pressure as they make a final decision on whether to throw out the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling. The justices are drafting what could be the most consequential opinion in 50 years, while a watchful public, primed by the nation's culture wars, looks over their shoulders and tries to furiously influence the outcome. Mike Davis is president and founder of the Article 3 Project. He's a former law clerk for Justice Neil Gorsuch, and he joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss how significant this SCOTUS draft opinion leak is and what it could mean going forward. Davis says that the term judicial insurrection is appropriate for what may happen if the federal government attempts to interfere with the state's decision on whether to change access for abortion. If we're using the same uh, language that Democrats use uh, for for when Republicans uh, uh, do bad things, sure, why not? Davis tells the Salem Radio Network this kind of leak at the Supreme Court is unheard of. This is an egregious breach. This is unprecedented. This is stunning. This is shameful, and it's likely illegal what happened here. Davis also says crimes may have been committed in the leak of this decision. I think that uh, what you're going to find out here is you could have uh, federal crimes for misuse or uh, misuse of, of federal property or even stolen federal property. Davis went on to say that even bigger crimes than theft could have been committed. Uh, maybe even obstruction of justice in this way, that if you're trying to do something illegal, or inappropriate to change votes on the Supreme Court on a pending case, that certainly could fall under the obstruction of justice standard. Andrew McCarthy is senior fellow at the National Review Institute and a National Review contributing editor says that if the draft opinion changes due to social pressure, then the court invites more leaks to occur in the future. I think anything that gets changed if it's if it's at all meaningful, including the vote tabulation, is going to be indicative of what happened here working. That is, this was leaked in order to intimidate the justices. And if they then turn around and change the vote or change the opinion, uh, which is a brilliant opinion, um, then it then it looks like it worked, which means you invite more of it. McCarthy also says that the progressive wing of the court should support their conservative colleagues during this time to preserve the court's integrity. I just think that at this point, it's not fair to those five justices. And this is where, you know, this is where I think the progressive justices could make a difference. If you really care about the integrity of the court, you care about its viability as an institution, you care about its processes, you close ranks now and say, look, we disagree about the substantive issue. But we are shoulder to shoulder in protecting the court, and we need to get the opinion out now. Mm -hmm. And if the progressive justices said that, uh, even though they lost, that would be very admirable. And I, I, I must say I would think well of them for doing it. But I think it's essential that it be done because these these justices now, you know, until this thing gets issued as a formal opinion, 
the crazies out there are going to be putting all kinds of pressure on these guys. This week, Chief Justice John Roberts ordered an investigation into the breach of an initial draft majority opinion that may overturn Roe v. Wade. Best-selling author J.D. Vance has won Ohio's competitive GOP Senate primary, buoyed by former President Donald Trump's endorsement in a race widely seen as a test of the former president's hold on portions of his party. Matt Mayer, president at OpportunityOhio.org, joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss J.D. Vance's win and what it means for former President Donald Trump and what the general election in Ohio will look like in November. Clearly, the Donald Trump endorsement uh, two weeks ago uh, greatly benefited J.D. uh, by pushing him, uh, kind of separating him from the field enough to secure a a strong win. Um, Clearly shows Ohio is a Trump state, uh, and so that if you want to be successful politically in Ohio, you're going to need to not have kind of a never Trump mentality, you're going to have to realize that it's either Trump or the policies that Trump endorsed really uh, are are well received by Ohio. Meyer explains what he feels is significant about Ohio Governor Mike DeWine barely squeaking past the primaries with 48 percent of the vote. DeWine only winning with 48 percent of the vote as an incumbent up for re-election is, is troubling for, for he and his team and for his Lieutenant Governor John Husted, who has 2026 ambitions. Uh, those ambitions are going to be tempered quite a bit by that result. And, you know, but look, Jim Renacci is a very flawed candidate. He's had long-term ethical issues mm-hmm. uh, that have plagued him. And, you know, he's not a very uh, dynamic guy. Uh, you know, Joe Blystone was also in the race. Joe got over 20% as well. I think combined they beat DeWine in terms of, of number of votes. Um, but I think what that shows you is, DeWine could have lost this year in a primary if the right candidate with the good good message, messenger, organization, and money would have gotten in. Mayor looks ahead to prospects of DeWine and J.D. Vance moving into a general election in Ohio. Nan Whaley is unknown even among Democrats. She's not a very charismatic um, campaigner. She's very progressive, which won't sell well uh, uh, in Ohio, across Ohio. So that'll be an easier easier race for him uh, to win. And then uh, J.D. Vance will have a tough tough race against Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan is blue-collar kind of guy. He's from the Akron-Canton area, uh, sells a good story, campaigns well. But I think, you know, Vance will will be able to win that race, assuming he doesn't make, make any major pitfalls. The Federal Reserve on Wednesday raised short-term interest rates by a half percent. It's part of an effort to tamp down on inflationary pressures weighing on Americans. The central bank suggested that it will further raise borrowing costs throughout this year as it attempts to undo its pandemic-era easy-money policies. The policy-setting Federal Open Market Committee also detailed plans on unwinding its nearly $9 trillion balance sheet. Fed Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says the central bank is strongly committed to doing what's needed to tame inflation. 
It is essential that we bring inflation down if we are to have a sustained period of strong labor market conditions that benefit all. Jerry Boyer, host of the podcast Meeting of Minds, author of The Maker versus The Takers, and editor at Town Hall Finance, joined the Daybreak Insider podcast to discuss the latest news from the Federal Reserve and how it will impact the economy moving forward. I think that Wall Street is reacting well to the news because Wall Street um, was surprised um, about um, how the Fed was not as aggressive as it had indicated that it would be before. In other words, they're going to do less hiking. So there's kind of in a situation where we've had very, very easy money, and that stimulates stock market valuations. That helps them. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but that's how it works. Easy money tends to you know, raise the value of those assets. And the Fed's been talking a lot about raising rates. And they raised rates today as expected, but they indicated that they didn't think they were going to do as much raising in the future. Boyer believes that the real headline isn't that the Fed raised rates. So this was sort of a situation where what happened today, everybody already knew that was going to happen. Um, the, the market doesn't react to, to something like this. Um, when it happens, they react when they know it's going to happen. So this had already been announced. No surprise. Yes, it's a headline, but it's not really news. The news was that they're probably going to stop sooner, which means they're going to show a little less courage when it comes to raising rates and fighting inflation. They're signaling that they're going to choose to accept more inflation um, because they don't want to risk a recession. When asked what more the Fed could do to curb inflation, Boyer had this response. I suppose for the long run, the best answer is Reagan Volcker, who together you know, in 1980, 1981, Reagan cut taxes. That was good for growth. Volcker, um, you know, cut back on money supply, beat inflation. That was tough and painful, but it was worth it. And we got decades of growth afterwards. But I don't see that kind of combination of fortitude and guts and courage in those. In the, I, I don't see a Reagan Volcker in Biden Powell. Boyer explains what it means when the Fed says they're shrinking their balance sheet. When they say shrink their balance sheet, I don't know why they have to speak in such obscure ways. What they're saying is instead of creating money and buying things, uh, instead they would sell the things. Um, and that would take money out of the economy. That would be a way of shrinking the money supply. So what they're indicating is that they're thinking about shrinking the money supply. Well, yeah. I mean, when the money supply hit one trillion, when the Fed, I, sh- I should say, when the Fed balance sheet hit one trillion, that was huge news. Now we're at nine trillion heading towards 10, and we are trying to figure out whether we ought to shrink the balance sheet or not. It's amazing how out of control the Fed has gotten. In spite of a Wall Street rally, Boyer is disappointed in the Fed's moves to try and curb runaway inflation. No matter what they say, mostly they're going to choose inflation over recession. Mostly they're going to let the inflation kind of go a little bit and make some gestures towards dealing with it they're probably not going to risk crashing the economy or creating a recession, which means they're kicking the can down the road yet again. Comedian Dave Chappelle was the victim of an onstage attack during a show in Los Angeles. Daybreak Insider's Oscar Wells Gabriel has that story. Dave Chappelle was just wrapping up his performance at the Hollywood Bowl when a man rushed him and tried to tackle him. Security guards overpowered him and took him off stage as Chappelle continued his show. Other clips taken outside show the alleged attacker being loaded by paramedics onto an ambulance with an apparent arm injury. 
NBC News quotes the LAPD as saying the man was carrying a fake gun with a real knife blade inside. Chappelle was performing his stand-up routine as part of his Netflix is a Joke Festival. Fellow comedian Jamie Foxx was in the wings of the stage. Chappelle thanked him for responding to the attack. I'm Oscar Wells Gabriel. And finally, around the country, a few cities and their homeowners are participating in No Mow May. In North America, a quarter of the native bee species are at risk of extinction. That's not good for the bees, and it's not good for us either, because bees do pollinate 35% of our global food supply. Katie Kreklow of the Zoological Society explains why she believes mowing your lawn in May may not be the best for bees. In Wisconsin, we have pollinators that are hibernating in our leaf piles, in holes in the ground and things like that. So if you mow your lawn in May and they're still hibernating, it's not great for our very important pollinators. Israel Del Toro, a biology professor at Lawrence University, says that allowing weeds like dandelions to flower provides food for bees. If we let the resources come to flower, then our pollinators that are coming out of hibernation will have plenty of food to eat and get off on the right foot. Del Toro says No Mo May is seeing some positive results for bee populations. The first year that we participated in No Mo May, we actually found a five-fold increase in abundance of bees in No Mo May lawns relative to mowed areas. Del Toro says that with No Mo May, some endangered species of bees are now being spotted. Last year alone, we also found that the rusty patch bumblebee made it into town. Uh, That's a threatened and endangered species that we can now provide food and forage for. To participate, you simply just give the bees a leg up during the crucial springtime by letting your lawn grow for the month of May. This means letting lawn flowers like dandelions, clover, and violets bloom at a time when bee food is scarce. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.